Welcome to our 72nd episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Our key points today is uh, we're going to talk about the real first tank. I, I guess it would be Leonardo da Vinci's, you know, tank that he designed back in the 1400s, which is going to be cool. <laughs> and the second thing, we keep getting messages about this North Korean M2020 tank, or as we have officially named it, the meme tank. Kitty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my cat, Ola. Well, I can't say her name. Oh, just did. Well, I didn't get it all the way out. <laughs> so, anyway, well, it is a show about tanks and cats. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, Russell, uh, most of our non-American listeners uh, were not aware we were just celebrating a major major U.S. holiday called Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's another American holiday where we eat to excess and hang out with people we would never normally hang out with. How was your Thanksgiving, Russ? Uh, just another average Thanksgiving for uh, for a law enforcement officer. I wound up working that day, and I did make something a couple days later. I made some turkey and mashed taters and gravy, and so I did get to eat a little bit. So why everybody else is sitting down to a big Thanksgiving dinner and hanging out with the relatives that we hardly ever see, you're driving around a patrol car. Yeah, yeah. Brother and believe it or not, we had several calls for service that day, too. So. Oh, yeah, because you know, yeah. Uncle yeah. Bob's always going to get drunk and start yeah, a fight. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. All right. Uh, I didn't even want to discuss this, but... Okay, so we have been getting contacted about our lack of discussion about this super new tank revealed during a military parade that uh, revealed during a military parade with the, I think it's the 75th anniversary of the foundation of the Workers' Party in North Korea, you know, that North Korea military parade. And people have been asking about, you know, a past episode stating that there were tanks uh, before World War One, and so, you know what, uh, let's just jump in on the World War One stuff before we get into the meme tank. So let's start off with the pre-World War One tank that I was talking about in this prior episode. All righty. Yeah, the precursor to the modern tank, Leonardo da Vinci's armored car invention was capable of moving in any direction and was equipped with a large number of weapons. The most famous of da Vinci's war machines, the armored car, was designed to intimidate and scatter an opposing army. Leonardo drew the plans for the first armored car in 1485. I don't know, Charlie, weren't you around then? Thanks. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I'd like to introduce everybody to my best friend, Russell. (laughs) Leonardo da Vinci described his idea for an armored car in a job application to the Duke of Milan in 1482. He said, I can make armored cars safe and unassailable, which will enter the close ranks of the enemy with their artillery, and no company of soldiers is so great that they will not break through them. And behind these, the infantry will be able to follow quite unharmed and without any opposition. So basically he's saying, I'm going to put this armored car, we're going to go forward, we're going to have the infantry behind it, and they're just going to smash through whatever divisions, blow them away, you know, basically scatter them with their infantry just being able to, you know, walk in behind. But we got to remember, this is like 
1400. So there's no motors, there's, you know, no cars or anything like this. This is him just sitting down coming up with this idea. Da Vinci's vehicle has a number of light cannons arranged on a circular platform with wheels that allow for 360 degree range. The platform is covered by a large protective cover, much like a turtle shell reinforced with metal plates, which was to be slanted to better deflect enemy fire. There is a sighting turret on top to coordinate the firing of the cannons and the steering of the vehicle. Da Vinci's saying, okay, we're going to put a commander hatch on it. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Where this old boy gets up there and says, hey, they're in front, fire cannons, you know, 6 through uh, 12. Yeah. And uh, they're loading and everything in the comfort of the inside of this turtle shell or this tank. And he's even thought about angling to give, you know, this reinforced wood and metal plates, uh, you know, more armor protection. Tell us about the design. The concept was designed while Leonardo da Vinci was under the patronage of Ludovico Saforza in 1487. Sometimes described as a prototype of modern tanks, Leonardo's armored vehicle represented a conical cover inspired by the turtle shell. The covering was to be made of wood and reinforced with metal plates that add to the thickness. Slanting angles would deflect enemy fire. The machine was powered by two large cranks operated internally by four strong men. The vehicle was equipped with an array of light cannons placed around the perimeter. The gears of the design were located in a reversed order, making the vehicle unworkable. This is thought by some sources to have been a deliberate mistake by Leonardo as a form of security, in case his design was stolen and used irresponsibly. It is almost impossible to fix this problem successfully without taking away power from its forward movement and strength. The vehicle would have been too heavy to move and would have lacked the battlefield mobility seen in modern tanks that make them so effective. The armored vehicle was designed to intimidate the enemy rather than to be used as a serious military weapon. Due to the vehicle's impressive size, it would not be capable of moving on rugged terrain, and the project could hardly be applied and realized in the 15th century. Around 2010, a group of engineers recreated Leonardo's vehicle based on the original design and fixed the mistake in gearing. So Leonardo uh, always drew most of his inspiration from nature itself. Um, give us a good example of that. Yeah, as always, Leonardo took inspiration from nature for his designs. The outer shell of the tank is based on the turtle shell. Leonardo often took inspiration from nature for his inventions. Human subtlety will never devise an invention more beautiful, more simple, or more direct than nature does, because in her inventions, nothing is lacking and nothing is without purpose. It was actually designed to be driven straight onto a battlefield and to decimate the enemy with its 360-degree cannons with this turtle shell design. Nothing even close to Leonardo's design would be seen again until World War I, almost 400 years later. Even though several centuries had passed, Leonardo's design was superior to World War I tanks in a subtle but ingenious way. Sloped armored plate. In Leonardo's time, the closest thing to a tank that could be found on the battlefield were elephants with up to three men mounted on them. Leonardo despised harming or injuring animals in any way, and this may be one of the reasons for his invention of the tank. You know, even back then, you know, we had animal rights people. I exactly, guess. yeah. So he was an animal lover, just like we are. Yeah. And, uh, but without animal power, there was no gas or anything like that. How was he going to power this thing, Russell? The tank was to be powered by four men 
operating hand cranks. This design seemed feasible as the gear ratios would allow the men to easily turn the hand cranks, although this would result in slow speeds, I would imagine pretty slow speeds, across the ground. Several other men inside the tank would fire cannons at the enemy. The cannons were placed in all directions from the tank and as a result could fire in 360 degrees. So this was top secret military stuff back in his day. You know, you kind of hit that he had made some design flaws in there in his thing. I wonder if that had to do anything with that. What kind of security did he have in place to, you know, keep his design secret? It's actually unknown whether or not Leonardo purposely built flaws into his design for the tank to deter enemies from creating his designs for their own evil intent. Uh, There is a very simple mistake whereby two of the main shafts going to the wheels would spin in the wrong direction if the tank was built exactly from the plans, thus rendering each other obsolete. They would work against each other and cancel each other out. It is well known that Leonardo despised war and everything to do with it, so this could be intentional or simply a mistake. It is, however, quite unlikely to be a mistake. Just remember that Leonardo designed the first self-propelled vehicle, the first constantly variable transmission, and the very first ever spring-driven clock. Such a simple mistake by a man with a broad understanding of mechanics is unlikely, to say the least. There are, however, some inherent flaws in the design. The wheels are too thin to support such a heavy vehicle in damp conditions. They would most likely sink into the ground. Leonardo does have studs on the wheel to aid friction, but it is unlikely that they would help either. Modern tanks overcame this issue by adding caterpillar tracks in the early 20th century. Yeah. I mean, he knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. You know, he's like, okay, this is pretty obvious. I'm going to have the cranks going in opposite directions. Yeah. Screw it up, and uh, let's make the tank tires real, real Real small, too small to, you know, it'll just sink into that. He had all that. He just put that in because he didn't want anybody snagging his ideas. Yeah, exactly. You said that it was even better than some of these World War One tanks because, you know, remember, they didn't have a lot of sloped armor on those. They just, you know, um, I mean, look at the Mark V. If you look at the side, that's just a big, wide barn that you can shoot. The whole sloped armor thing, the 360 and, and the commander hatch up there. That, that is just, Leonardo was a genius. I know. He, he actually had the, the concepts and the plans. He just, it was just too far before the time to, to actually you, put it to use, I guess you'd say. Could you imagine what he would do today? Oh, man. Incredible. Yeah. Truly incredible. We need to get some engineers on here that actually, we need to get an engineer or two on here and interview them that's actually designed and made tanks or armor in the past. Oh, I didn't tell you we got uh hate mail from uh, uh one of our french listeners about the leclerc, leclerc oh episode. no yeah i figured that was coming yeah he's like you totally misrepresented the uh gasoline tanks that they're using as armor on the side i'm like but it, it was we, we they've inter- got they have to be empty for god's sakes and, and be jettisoned before you well, can no, they, <laughs> be in battle Right. But I mean, there is scientific proof, you know, that they can make the fuel non-flammable and and stuff like that. And it does add more protection. I mean, we understand the science, but it's a simple fact. It's science. (laughs) It's science, but it's also funny that 
Hey, let's strap some uh, gas cans to our, uh, our rib cage and go out there and start throwing phosphorus grenades. You know, <laughs> we understand the science. Yes, I know. Talking about jokes, I, I can't believe that we have to actually talk about this. I mean, we've you know, if I'd only got one or two or three messages, but we've got a bunch of messages saying, "Oh, you 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 know, you're downplaying the North Korean uh, North Korean strength and how brave they are." and how wonderful their new M2020 tank is, the meme tank. I guess that brings us to our second point, the North Korean meme tank. Uh, Russell, go ahead and give us the information on that. This unidentified North Korean main battle tank was unveiled during a military parade that commemorated the 75th anniversary of the foundation of the Workers' Party. It has been given an unofficial name as the M2020 tank, or as we like to call it, the meme tank. Visually, the M2020 tank appears to be a mixed design of the American M1 Abrams and the Russian T-14 Armada, although its overall layout is more similar to the latter than the former. The front of the turret's armor is angled similarly to the M1 Abrams. The hull of the tank features armor plates on the sides with slat armor on the rear sides protecting the engine just like the T-14. The glacius plate of the M2020 is slightly different from the T-14 and the driver's position is located at the center front of the hole. The tank is equipped with composite armor that is believed to be on par with ones equipped on third generation main battle tanks and is possibly modular in design. Parts of the turret appear to have armor up to 10 centimeters thick to defend against top attack munitions. Compared to the Songun 915 tank, the commander sits on the right side of the turret. The change in position may indicate an addition of an autoloader inside the turret. The tank has seven road wheels, indicating that it is bigger than previous North Korean tanks, which have six wheels. These road wheels are protected by rubber plates or skirts. The tank's main gun is derived from the Russian 2A46 125mm gun, which is also used on the Chonma 216 and Songun 915 tanks. A coaxial machine gun is located left of the main gun, and an AGS-30 grenade launcher is located on the left side of the roof of the turret. The tank also has two Bullsay-3 anti-tank missiles on the right side of the turret. The Bullsay-3 missiles are said to be reversed-engineered Soviet-Russian 9M-133 Cornet missiles. However, the diameter of the ATGM launchers appear to be 150 millimeters like the 9M-133, rather than 120 millimeters of the 9K-111, and thus have a higher penetration. As the T-72s received by North Korea are of early modifications, they cannot fire missiles through the gun tube, and thus the reverse-engineered gun used on their tanks cannot do so either. Although gun-launched missiles are constrained by the barrel diameter and have less penetration. The M2020 tank is believed to be powered by a 1,200 horsepower engine used on the Songun 915 tanks. The estimated mass of the tank is about 55 tons. The tank is noted to be relatively compact in size, which is advantageous for armored fighting vehicles traversing hilly and mountainous terrains. The roof of the turret features panoramic sights and a meteorological mast on the right side and smoke grenade launchers at the rear of the turret protected by slat armor. The commander and gunner have separate sights, which are believed to have thermal imaging devices. If true, then it would improve the tank's 
hunter-killer and night-fighting capabilities compared to older North Korean tanks. The tank possesses a muzzle reference system to improve its accuracy when firing on the move. Hard-kill active protection systems, or APS, are possibly fitted on the lower part of the turret, two in the front corners and two on each side, each containing three tube launchers. This APS layout is similar to the Russian Afghanit featured on the T-14. The sensors used for the possible active protection systems are located in the front corners of the turret. As with all new North Korean vehicles, it was immediately assumed that the vehicle was fake to arouse astonishment and confuse Western analysts and armies. According to some, this is actually a Songun Ho modified to fit new tracks and a seventh wheel in the running gear, but with a dummy superstructure. As a counter-reaction to the South Koreans actually unveiling the K-2 Black Panther. So I have to go on record. I have friends in the intelligent community, uh, clear back when we were all cadets in the police academy like 25 years ago, before they got where they are now. So I cannot release any information of what they told me or how they know, but I can quote from an interview with Professor Sung Wu, the head of Department of Military Drones at uh, Shinhan University and a former policy advisor for the Joint Chiefs of Staff of uh, South Korea. He stated that the M2020 tank, that the tank's development may have been assisted by Iran by using designs from the Zulfiquac 3 tank. North Korea and Iran are known to cooperate with regards to their militaries. So we've done episodes on the K-2 Panther, you know, and we've done the Iranian tank here, and we even did the T-14 Armada, right? Yeah. When I went to Russell or Minnesota, um, in there, I've talked about this before, in the movie Courage uh, Under Fire with Denzel Washington, they had gotten some old Centurion tanks, and they welded on the skirts and made the you know, with movie magic to make it look like an M1 Abrams. So if you watch that movie, you will see that it appears that Denzel's, you know, in Iraq during Desert Shield and Storm fighting tanks with his M1 Abram. In reality, underneath all that fake plating is just a Centurion tank. So it's a fake. So our official two tanker and a cat opinion is it's fake it's just a weird paper mache version of the iranian tank uh with stick-on graphics from like the t-14 it's completely made up it's actually i think what i've been told and it's the one of these uh pong ho tanks with an added seventh wheel it's just a mock-up uh there were only nine of these and we promise you you will never see these things patrolling the border or Mass production. Russ, um, I think we've got some pictures. You can look at it. You can almost see underneath that it's not this new super tank. It's 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 a joke. Uh, it's the same thing as when you see their infantry marching in these parades with these paper mache guns with like the model rockets under them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You can get on YouTube these. or yeah, watch all their military parades, and you can tell half the stuff's probably fake, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, yeah, it, it actually had like a model yeah. rocket underneath of it, and, and if if it worked, the backfire would. <laughs> and maybe just they don't the care. Maybe <laughs> one time shooter. <laughs> yeah, but but when you yes. see them, you can um, yeah. obviously tell that they're paper mache and they're done poorly. It's like those uh, uh, horribly done uh, pot- potum can. 
Potem, yeah, Potemkin missile fakes, where the intelligence agency, the you know, these are intelligence agents saying, I can't speak to the skills of the North Korean weapon engineers, but looking at these fake missiles, their paper mache <laughs> experts are off the chain. You know, these are obviously fake missiles, you know, bodied over wood frames. So these are, this is a fake tank. They put on a seventh wheel. Uh, they got some drawings from uh, their Iranian friends, and they added on, you know, meteorological, you know, mass and everything. But they made nine of these. And if you look at the tank, it looks like they just put on cardboard and, and spray painted desert storm colors. It's terrible. It, it, I mean, anybody with a little bit of experience about tanks can tell that these are obviously fake. Keep getting these comments. Uh, those weird little keyboard experts talking about how great communism is and are still living in their mother's basements. You know, ask Russ, we still get these silly little butt clowns. <laughs> You know, that little message, you have triggered me and my entitlement. And as we always say uh, here, you know, two tankers and a cat, and a cat, bless your little hearts. And if you don't know what that means down south, well, do your own research. You know, Russ, we've had, a, we've had to deal with a lot of keyboard bullies and punks like that. But for them to go on to sites and publish fake stuff, just another way to troll people or, or make North Korea, you know, this wonderful place and stuff like that yeah and people are seeing these you know these new meme tanks and they're like oh these are fantastic and it's really gonna you know when the war does come north korea will roll right up. they made yeah. nine of these toy tanks and, and trust us we're gonna get messages from you know people that you know are you know how, how do i say this you know Look, you guys are totally wrong. I read it on Reddit, and it has a laser destructo beam. I, I don't know. Uh, all I can say is look at the pictures. Look at the starving North Koreans. Oh, and if if there's a dang picture out there or video of them actually firing this thing, I'd love to see it. <laughs> no, no, it can't fire. If you look at the gun, he's like, well, it can shoot missiles. No, it can't. Oh. You're, there's no. never going to be mass production of these things. They're not going to be, you know, you know, South Korean guards will be up in their post and see these things rolling by, you know, on patrol. It, no, you know. So if you're a flag waving, waving North Korean fan, you know, well, bless your little heart, you know. Hit the <laughs> thumbs up button and thank you. I guess. Charlie, now you need just need to calm down a little bit. You know, your blood pressure medication's working in high gear right now, so. How about we? How about we go into some tanks in the okay. news? Maybe that'll get your blood pressure down a little bit. You know what? I, I mean, these Facebook kids and everything, and they go on Reddit and they're like, "Well, you guys are wrong." Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some tanks in the news. We're going to talk about an article titled "The Russian Tanks Massing Near the U Near Ukraine Sport Mods Against Drones and Javelin Missiles." Where'd you get this from? This comes from the Forbes.com. Uh, it was actually came out on November 29th, 2021, about 7 a.m. Who wrote this? Uh, Sebastian Roblin. All right, we'll give him a shout out. We want to make yeah. sure that we get the oh, proper yeah. uh, kudos to whoever did it. But pretty much um, what the, what he's talking about is uh, as the Russian mechanized forces are massing 
near Ukraine, actually for a possible winter invasion, uh, tank watchers on social media have identified more and more Russian tanks sporting unsubtle field modifications, seemingly aimed at fending off Ukraine's newest weapons, which happen to be the U.S.-supplied Javelin and a tank guided missiles, and the TB-2 Barakter drones supplied by Turkey. Both pose a deadly threat to the top armor of armored vehicles, where protection is drastically weaker. The portable Javelin missile consists of a, of a dumbbell-like launch unit with an advanced infrared sensor. Uh, once a target is identified, it can launch missiles that arc steeply upwards before plummeting down upon a vehicle's top armor guided by infrared sensors. The latest manned portable Javelin systems have a range of about 2.5 miles and a high probability of a hit. Furthermore, its top attack launch mode will likely knock out just about any tank while minimizing the exposure of the operator. Though each missile is pricey at about eighty thousand to a hundred thousand U.S. dollars per shot. So, when I'm looking at this, they basically put like a cage on, on top yeah. of where these javelin missiles will hit. You know, our javelin missile is like really advanced. I mean, it will literally hop up and go straight into the top of the turret. With yeah. this cage on there, it's going to hit that cage and explode, act like spaced armor. And it's going to stop, you know, the tank from being destroyed. You know what this reminds me of? When they were in World War II, the American Shermans were trying to break through the hedgerow country. And they were like, our, our tanks can't push through the, through there. And, and those guys got the bush teeth things, you know, that looks like teeth. And, and they weld them to the front. I, I think these Russians went up and said, hey, this is what this javelin's going to do. Yeah. And this is what these drones are going to do. Uh, stop it. And they're like. Well, we can weld a cage up on it. Yeah, and they've also, besides the Javelin missiles, they've also got the Turkish-built Barakter TB-2, uh, which is a relatively short-range combat drone capable of carrying up to four precision weapons, including the MAM-L and a tank missile, which can be guided on target using a laser mounted on the drone. In 2020, TB-2s, which individually cost about 5 to $10 million U.S. dollars each, destroyed hundreds of military vehicles in conflicts in Libya, Syria, and between Armenia and Azerbaijan. I just want to cut in. These drones were just, they're very, very effective. Ukraine acquired its first 12 TB-2s in 2019, followed by five more for the Ukrainian Navy with a total force of up to 48 planned. A Ukrainian Bayraktar was first used in combat in October of 2021 to attack a Russian separatist 122mm howitzer that had opened fire in eastern Ukraine, destroying it and killing one crew member. I love the way they say separatist. Yeah. You know, they invaded. Yeah, they did. It, you know, they the UN, NATO, even uh, Al Jazeera or whatever, uh, the newspaper, went in and they saw that some of these captured Russians' military had their, you know, uh, IDs and their they're, you know, military ID cards and dog tags. So they're not separatists. They, they, they wanted that little section. They did. And they took it. And to stop a bigger war. That's it. Yep. They were like, okay, that brings me back to World War II. You know, Chamberlain and England and France and all those guys were like, okay, you, you, you want this piece of land. We're going to, we're going to give it to you. But if you go any further, you know, of course you realize this means war. So, but go on, Russ. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Russian military is visibly experimenting with at least 
two new methods to protect against top attacking menaces. The first is to fit an umbrella of slatted armor on top of the tank. Slat armor is intended to disable or misdirect the fuse of the chemical energy heat munitions in an anti-tank missile, causing it to unleash its jet of armor-piercing molten metal at an ineffectual angle and or distance, as is the tank's turret. You know, and that that's probably one of their higher, you know, grade yeah, protection. Sure it is. But the other one, the cage on top, works just uh, fine. Exactly, yeah. Uh, these modifications, which have been on Russian's workhorse T-72B and T-72B3 tanks, are non-standardized, suggesting experiments implemented in the field to address a possible operational contingency rather than a factory-issued perfected solution. And I hate to say, when you're out in the field and your guys are saying, hey, they're going to come through the top of the tank, Yeah. Well, what, what can we yeah. use? And they're like, anything can you can find. <laughs> we'll just put kind of like this umbrella on yeah, yeah. And, you know, because it hits there and explodes. Yeah, and then exactly. What people... Can't see by the pictures. We need to post. Some yeah, we will. We will post. There's enough room for them to get in and out of the tank, and you know, and stand up and work the machine guns. They're kind of out of the way, so you've got maybe four foot of spaced armor before it even gets to the actual tank. Yeah, gonna kind of nullify. Them I know. Big hit. I know. Slat or cage armor is commonly fitted to the vulnerable side or rear armor of a tank to protect against. Ground ambushes, but the new umbrella configuration seems aimed at mitigating attacks from above. However, both the Javelin and MAM-L incorporate two-stage tandem warheads designed to defeat spaced and reactive armor, and unlike anti-tank munitions like the ubiquitous RPG-7, their fuses are situated toward the rear rather than the tip of the missile. Furthermore, according to munitions expert Neil Gibson, the molten jet projected by a javelin's warhead is likely long enough and a tank's top armor thin enough that the cage armor would provide insufficient protection even if it triggers the main warhead from 0.5 to 1.5 meters away. In fact, such shaped charges may even increase in penetration when detonated at a slight standoff from the target. This also applies to the MAM-L missile which has a 33% wider 160 millimeter warhead. So pretty much what this guy's saying is it's probably not going to be real effective. But but again, but hey, it's you, worth a try. The the guys in the field are saying yeah. you got to give us something. If munition works perfect and it hits in the right spot, it, you know, and, and it hits this cage, it may increase and get it through. Yeah. But if not, going to survive. Exactly. Continuing in the article, it says, To be fair, slats combined with bricks of explosive reactive armor might still warp and redirect the primary warhead's blast cone, potentially turning a knockout hit into a less catastrophic one. More promising, slatted armor could provide decent protection against kamikaze drones or grenades and small bombs dropped by a little quadcopter drone a method of attack used by both sides in the front lines of eastern Ukraine. Some of the flimsier-looking canopies might also be intended to mount camouflage covers or to protect exposed tank commanders from overhead shrapnel. Most people, especially here in the United States, don't realize, yes, the Russians took the Crimea, uh, Crimea Peninsula or whatever. They're still fighting. They, you know, the lines are stabilized, but they still have snipers and, and like, 
You said howitzers and mortar attacks. You can go onto YouTube and just pop up, you know, their news and video. They'll show you combat video of stuff that happened just this week. Yeah. You know, where they firing missiles and RPGs and everything at them. While the purpose and effectiveness of these new tank modifications is debatable, other likely more important factors could mitigate the impact of the Javelin and TB2 against a major Russian incursion. That's important to consider when prominent foreign policy thinkers like Francis Fukuyama argue these technologies might check a Russian invasion. Now, we've talked about this in depth of what we think is going to happen. And my point is this. if the Russians invade the Ukraine during the winter. I do not think the United States will send the military in um, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But will we start shipping more missiles and stuff like we did in World War II? We'll start saying, oh, Lend-Lease, here you go. Yeah, exactly. Free, got, free stuff. But what I'm saying is I don't think that the other countries – surrounding the Ukraine and other NATO members and stuff are, are going to stay quiet. I, I think this could turn into something really, really bad. You know, I, I know, you know, people are like, Oh, NATO never done nothing. They're, they're, they're all, they're talking tough. Yeah, they really you are. Um, they really are. They're talking about the new German, uh, prime minister or whatever, um, wouldn't, you know, authorize anything like that. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope everything gets worked out and everything gets, you know, just peaceful and everybody has a nice winter and there's no death or destruction. But if I was Putin, you know, people are saying, well, he just put the 90,000 up there to uh, scare everybody and, and get what he wants. Now it's yeah. going from 90,000 to 100,000. He's bringing up tanks, yeah. rocket launchers. And if um, I recall, I'm pretty sure he did the same thing the last time he... Like we talked about, Eastern Ukraine. He's already invaded that Crimea. Yeah, and he has troops there. You know, they're they're firing every day. I mean, you can't go strolling out there, and, you know, and go take pictures of the beautiful sunset because you're going to get sniped. So, and the Ukrainians, they they're not they're buying these drones and these javelins, and they're like, hey, we're we're going to fight. I just don't know, Russ. I, I don't know. either. It'll be interesting. Uh, anything that happens uh, is going to start with a severe airstrike, you know, air, you know, a mass of oh, yeah. airplanes and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If Ukraine's screaming for help and, you know, they start moving in, you know, 100,000 troops and tanks and everything, and they're getting real close to everybody else's borders. I don't know if NATO won't, won't jump in on that and help. I know. I don't know. I've got my opinions, but I hate to voice them right now. But It's just a you know, if Man, anything does happen. I just don't you know, think the United States will get involved. I just, at this point in time, I don't think they would. And, and it's going to have to take something more serious, like, like Putin saying, we're not stopping with the Ukraine. We're going to continue right. marching right on across Europe. Belarus, exactly. Exactly. Poland, you know, That's when yeah. everybody will be forced to become involved, I think. Technically, you and I both know what's this. If you were going to do anything uh, with a invasion, you'd want somebody on the American side that maybe With a backbone? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's why we have to be so careful. I know, I know. You know. We can't say anything. I know. I we still can probably say more than people in some countries can say, but I right. I know, I know. Right. Still got to be careful. 
me and Russ both know, and we've talked about this, people are going to be coming back and listening to our episodes yeah. and go, hey, these guys knew six months ago. Exactly. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And we told you what was going to happen. Yeah, because we've seen it before. History repeats itself. It really does. So, and, you know. It's doing that right now in the United States, unfortunately. Yep, yep. Bad things are happening over here. Yeah. We're just not going to be able to help on this one. I know. We'll, we'll send stuff. At least for the next couple of years. Yep. I mean, we'll send. We'll send javelins oh well spam. sure oh yeah we'll spend <laughs> we'll send everything money wise and mres yeah. and stuff like that but actual combat troops I, I think france isn't gonna put up with it yeah people say a lot of negative stuff about the new german prime minister but they they know their history yes they do <laughs> yes they do all right russ let's get off this subject you know we kind of dilly-dallied and uh, well he hawed but we'll hopefully never have to talk about it again maybe he'll yeah. just back off and go away and yep everything will be happy happy we can hope so do we have any uh messages no i did get one from uh our good friend craig moore um uh you guys forgot to uh, on the lacurt uh episode he's gonna he said you're gonna make some of your french uh listeners mad and i'm like yes yes we did <laughs> um so i guess we just go straight to our patreon um, who's our first one? Yeah, our first patron we want to give a shout out to today is old Jake Ozaki. And Kim and Eric Shear, man, they were. I know. Great. They really have been. They've been with us right at a little over a year now. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. That makes a, means a lot to us. really does. Want to give a big shout out to Antonio Bernarda and Alejandro Martinez. Your Ben, can't forget him. Nope. ODS Thero. And everybody's best friend, Rick Schmidt. Ricky. <laughs> we love Rick. What's he been up to? He's still playing tanks. All right. He's playing World of Tanks. Not well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There went our support. <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks. Sorry, Rick. Oh, we sent out some stuff to World of World thanks to get some sponsorship. Yeah, then. yeah, we. So you know, before you before we say goodbye, please swing by our uh, Facebook or our YouTube and give us a thumbs up. Yes, please do. Every little Every bit helps. Subscribe. Yes, yeah. yes. We need more Facebook or uh, YouTube. YouTube and Facebook. The more, the more we have, the the more we can do in the future. Guaranteed. And to all our listeners, we authorize you to get our name out there. Exactly. Feel free to share us and even put us on Reddit and saying, hey, they're making fun of us. <laughs> Everybody get on there and downvote. Yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. That Please. is. Please downvote. Upvote, yeah. downvote, side vote. Yep. In fact, subscribe so you can complain every episode. Yes, yes. Also, well, I'm going to put a uh, link on Facebook here pretty quick probably a little bit after this episode comes out and it's going to be to our speak pipe uh, link to where you can use your phone or if you have a headset and microphone hooked up to your personal computer, leave us a little message. And with that message, if you will allow us to, we will include that in our next podcast. Uh, just give us some comments, say hello, say anything. I mean, yeah, we'll edit a little bit if you say a whole lot of, Stuff that I have to bleep, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for legal reasons, we will tell you, if you call the number provided, we will use your voice. So and it's pretty, sim it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Either on a cell phone or just follow that link and you can leave a short clip for us and, and we'll get you included in the show. Yeah. 
We'll even take you bad-mouthing us. Heck yeah, yeah. Saying, you guys are complete idiots. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it all. Just, just make it kid-friendly, all right? At least you're listening. Well, I believe that's all we've got today, isn't it? I believe so. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and call the episode a great episode. This is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking and have a great week. Happy tanking.